Hello, this is the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, episode 101, the last in season five. What? It seems like a minute since we had a break, but I need another one to gather some more chats with wonderful guests to inspire your ears, mind, heart and marketing messages. Also, Christmas. This is a podcast for people doing brand building and selling online. And this time on the show, a guest who might just flip your thinking about what social media posting's all about. New advice, let's make it all about us. With every social media platform, there needs to be something that's even more in it for you than for them, your audience. I like that a lot. That's the reverse of what an awful lot of advice is around social media posting. I just don't think it's sustainable to focus on everyone else so much. It's like, yes, your audience matters, but like, but also you matter and, and what brings you joy. Phil Pallon is a brand strategist and speaker and social media expert with a very cool strapline, Strong Brands Open Doors, which resonates with me because everything I do and have done in my business is about opportunity, creating the opportunity to do something more interesting. Phil has worked with everyone from politicians to makeup artists and a Nobel Prize winner on building their personal brands. He's delivered speeches on five continents and been featured by CNN and Access Hollywood. He believes that it's not enough to have a passion and want to make some money out of it. Instead, that you need to find your customers where your passion meets their desires. In a recent Instagram post, he said... You have the power to create a brand, a business, a career, a lifestyle that fulfills you. It's all about finding where the passion, something you love, intersects with necessity, something others need. Let's get into that. I began by asking Phil what his mission is. I'm obsessed with this idea that everyone on this planet can have a career, a job, a lifestyle that fulfills them. I honestly, that's probably the closest thing to like my thesis or my mission on earth is helping people discover or land a livelihood that they would do even if they didn't have to work, that they would do as a hobby, that they would do for fun because it's so gratifying. And so, so I've found in my own career that this intersection is between something you're passionate about, but it's not that on its own because a passion on its own is a hobby. But as soon as that passion intersects with something people need and are willing to spend money on, what I shortened in that sentence to necessity, that's where we start cooking with oil. That's where things become interesting because if you really... You know, you you have a career, you have a brand that's rooted in something you love, and it's something people need, then you don't have to put as much effort into that hard sell of, you know, convincing someone that they should invest in you time or money, product or service. Really, it sells itself because what you offer is rooted in something people need. And uh, my career has been based on that. I have spent I think $0 on advertising. I mean, I've boosted a few posts here and there on Instagram, but I have never, ever invested in advertising in over 11 years in business. And I created my own niche helping people, personal brands back in 2011 before this was really a thing 
Um, because I just noticed that why do we have all these agencies and big companies helping corporations? What about what about smaller brands? What about jewelry designers, real estate agents, makeup artists? I was out in LA, so you know that was a you know these are people that needed help and needed help making sense of how they should show up online on a website or on social media. Do you need a logo? What about photos? Like all this stuff. And so that's all I've ever done. And so I'm passionate about it. And it also has been really the guiding element in terms of my own career. And that's kind of, that's how I sum it up in a sentence. What would you say then to someone who feels like they haven't reached their intersection yet like I would say in my business which I'm about I'm not even five years into my business I'm five years into my project it became a business after about two so I guess that's how long it took for me to find my intersection if you haven't yet if you haven't found the place where the stuff you really love and you really want to do is doesn't seem to be something people want to pay for yet is it a personal branding problem or is it that you haven't quite hit upon the right product yet like how do how do how does one get there it's a really good question and i don't know that it has a simple concise answer um i suppose you know you go to a dentist because you need someone who knows teeth and science and health um, you go to a brand strategist because ideally working with someone who has helped people through this journey a handful of times might mean that they can help you. So, uh, you know, hiring an expert is always a good idea. I'm not saying hire me. I'm saying just hire someone who has proven expertise to help one along in that discovery, that journey of discovery and we do, we do do that. My my colleague Lauren and I, that's a huge part of what we do. In fact, the first conversation I ever have with someone is not, you know, what do you want your website to look like? What should we plan for your photo shoot? You know, what, what, what how should we do your logo? It's not that. It's what is it you love to do paired with what do people need? Like, right, that is the question. What is your business goal? What is your business goal? Building a brand doesn't matter unless you can answer the question, what is your business goal? What do you want to achieve? Fantastic. Get some clarity on that. What makes you memorable? How would how is someone's experience of you memorable? Maybe another question might be, how would someone describe you in one word? You could post on Facebook today, listening to this podcast. You could post on Facebook, describe me in one word. And you'll notice that there are certain words that pop up more often than not. And that's interesting because that's people's experience of you. And I think branding and business building is actually really about a big part of it is becoming self-aware because you are the conduit of the business. I know in the UK, Dragon's Den, in the US, Shark Tank, right? We think about we think about someone that comes out with this idea, product or service. It's not just the product or service that sells itself. It's the person, the humanizing agent of this. And that's what I'm particularly fascinated with. So while I, you know, in, in, in one, in one respect, I say definitely don't be afraid to ask for help from someone who has experience with that kind of discovery. That's one piece of advice. The second piece of advice is don't rush it, which I know, um, can be advice that you don't want to hear if you're stuck in a, in a, in a, in a position where you feel like maybe you don't have momentum or you haven't discovered it yet. It's not, sustainable to quickly land on a brand that you develop overnight. 
it's a process, much like life is a process. You can't really decide. Every, you can't map out every corner, every turn. You have to kind of, you know, some things take time. And I and so I think actually it's kind of beautiful that when you reflect on your business of five years and you go, okay, it's actually really been two or three years where we've been cooking with oil, you know, um, I think those first few years are absolutely essential to arrive at where you're at now. Sometimes it's quick for people. Sometimes it's not as quick. And that's okay. And, um, you know, I kind of, when I started, I was at a point in my life where I, I was so keen to make some changes that I kind of didn't mind embarrassing myself a little bit, like getting it wrong. Like I had reached the point where like, do you know what, if even if this is really feels gross to do, like put myself onto Instagram or whatever it is, I was kind of, I was kind of at the point where I was just like willing to do it. But I do think that there is something in that you have to, you're going to have to like take a few risks to see how things land do you work like that with your clients or do they want the package before you start putting it out into the universe that's a good question i typically i mean i don't think i'm the right person to hire if you're starting from scratch i think i'm the right person to hire if you've achieved a certain level of success on your own and now you're ready for some external input to take inventory of that and really you know really bring the wrapping paper to match the gift that's been a few years in the making. You need the wrapping paper to be enticing. You want people to open the gift. That's really, that's really, I guess, the analogy I would use in this instance. Um, but what's really cool about, I guess, my work, it's kind of twofold. So in one respect, yes, I'm working one-on-one -on -one with clients. My clients have typically, as I described, have achieved a certain level of success in their industry, a lot of different industries, mostly personal brands. And they need that, that, that input to kind of get to that next level. And branding is our means of doing that. Uh, but then, but then I jump from a call about that, working with a client to then educating people on how to do this themselves. Um, right. We spoke at a conference together recently and I talked a little bit about Pinterest and, and how people can do this themselves. I'm a big believer in, in online tools that help you build your brand yourself. Adobe Express is one I talk about a lot. I think it's super cool that you can jump in and create an icon set for yourself that represent maybe different services you offer as a, as a service provider, as a consultant, or as a coach. Um, you can decide your brand colors. You know, you can, you can create a simple logo. Let's say you're just starting in business. You don't even need a logo. You don't need a logo. You, you just need your name written in a nice font that you think represents your personality or aligns with your personality. So I get really excited in, in every arena and I love jumping between the two where in one respect, I'm helping people do this themselves, YouTube videos, podcast episodes, worksheets, all kinds of stuff like that, free tools and resources. And then I'm also doing it, keeping my, my feet in the game, um, working one-on-one -on -one with clients to do it for them. Um, you've really nicely segged into what I was going to ask you about next, Phil, um, because you also say on your website, I'm also a social media expert. And like you're saying now, I like to do this and I like to do a bit of that. And do you think it's okay as somebody with a strong personal brand? I mean, you do. I know you, you're going to say that you do, but to do lots of different things, actually, and be lots of different things and offer different services and be like, I do a bit of this and I also can help with that. How does that work when you're trying to build a clear personal brand? 
Yeah. Let me tell you a quick funny story. It was a few weeks ago that I interviewed on a podcast uh, with Michael Stelzner, the social media examiner, our social media marketing podcast. And that was, that was, I was even a little bit nervous for that one because a lot of people listen to that one. And in our pre-interview, Mike was like, Phil, I don't get it. Like, why do you do so many things? And I thought, oh my God, this is like, you know, a God of the social media world now going, I'm confused by you, the branding person. I had this like little moment of slight freak out. I covered it well, but I thought, you know, it was interesting because in his mind, you know, or his experience, experts typically have one lane or one primary lane, and maybe they touch other things. That day that I recorded with him, you know, we did an episode about building extreme influence in your niche or your industry. And then I jump one hour later to um, a presentation for Teachable's Creator Summit. And I talked only about email marketing. And then I'm working on slides for my presentation at Courageous Content Live in Newcastle, where we met. And that's only about Pinterest, 15 minutes a month to corporate Pinterest. So this, like what you describe is me. I do a little bit of everything, but I am a personal brand. I am not a corporation. I don't get to hire a roster of marketing personnel you know, one does this, one does this, one does this, and it's very segmented. As a personal brand, and, you know, typically what I see with my clients is we want, it's not that we don't, we're not going to delegate it. We can delegate it, but we need to still be in the know on each of those moving pieces of our business. And I think as a personal brand, I mean, not only am I interested in the different ways that a personal brand can be humanized and marketed on the internet, I find that fascinating, sticking a for sale sign out front of that house that you worked so hard to build in the virtual space. I really, I love it. But um, I want to know how to do everything. Uh, it doesn't mean I show up on every single social media platform. There are platforms I don't like, but there are platforms I do like. The platforms I like spending time, I like hanging out. Typically, I, I try to listen to myself and teach my clients, listen to that. What's the app? What, what, what social media platform do you open when you're in line at the grocery store? Well, if it's one that you enjoy consuming, it might be one that you should consider creating on. Nowadays, I feel like an audience can pretty much be built anywhere. So we need to also give some attention to where you enjoy spending time. And so for me, I, I like to jump between doing lots of little things. Um, personal branding, I would say, I say confidently is very much my world. I still work with companies and I don't have that asterisk every time I say it. I'm a personal branding expert or a brand strategist. Um, I still do other things, but I think, I think I'm attractive in the confidence of saying, you know, personal branding is my focus. I'm not saying don't even think about hiring me if you're a company. Of course you can hire me if you're a company, but when we're, when we're building a brand, we really want to think about, uh, primary, secondary, and tertiary markets. By the way, tertiary markets, so that third market is typically gatekeepers, media, press, anything that's kind of on that on the external that might help align with could be visibility. Um, but but primary audience, that's who you're really going after. That's for me is is personal brands, individuals. I like the directness of working with people. And secondary could be something a little different. I think um so it's kind of mixed. Like, yeah, I'm confident in who I serve, but then at the same time, I know I know my audience, and I know that my audience wants to 
have the tools to be able to jump and do a lot of things themselves. And that's why I split myself across multiple platforms. So what is it then that you that runs true through everything you do what's true what's the what's the kind the, the, what's your approach I suppose then that you would apply to whatever you do whether that is giving a lecture to a group of students or working one-on-one with uh, with a with a high 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 net worth individual to grow their personal brand whatever it might be there's going to be a something about that experience and is that at essence what your brand is yeah, good question. Good question. I think every brand is made up of two things, content, what you say, personality, the unique way that you and only you deliver that content, right? So content, I, I, no one's brand is content alone. And no one's brand is personality alone. It's a little bit like a ratio. and You fall somewhere, everyone falls somewhere a little different on this sliding scale or this ratio between content to personality. Um, I would say for me, I'm very rooted in tangible takeaways tool. I love talking about tools. I love giving resources more so than, than high level strategies. Not really my thing. I do use lots of analogies, but I can rhyme off, you know, 10 free content apps that you could use this month to find content ideas or to, you know, uh, visual tools to create graphics. Like I love, I love the practicality of teaching, of educating, but making sure that people really have either, you know, very specifically the steps to build something as well as the tools to build something. And that, and what's cool, Helen is like that, that would be totally different. You could, if you could find another brand strategist and, their approach is going to be totally different. They might be more rooted in color psychology, which I don't really care about. You know, color psychology or or brand archetypes. You know, and I don't really care about those things. Yeah, what does that, <laughs> what does that mean? What is it? Brand archetype. Yeah, exactly. Mean? All these like anyway. little systems. Of, yeah, everyone has a different approach. All little yeah. systems. For me, it's kind of like here are the steps. Here are the tools. Get fired up and go and do it. Make it done. Um, which are these social media platforms that you like to work on and why? Yeah, I love Instagram. That's number two. I don't know why I'm telling you them out of order. I guess I'm really keeping things, you know, interesting. Number two is Instagram. Number three would be, uh, well, so let me explain why. Number two is Instagram because it's where I enjoy spending the most time. And that's probably why I said it first because it's, it's, um, it's where I like to be social. Like it, for me, it's the social and social media. I enjoy connecting and keeping in touch with people there and messaging. I, te- I It's like texting for me, hopping into DMs. It's just, I just like it. I enjoy consuming content and I enjoy creating content on there as well. Uh, I didn't always. It didn't always enjoy creating. I used to be paralyzed by having a perfect feed and all the colors matching. And eventually I got over that and thought, you know what? No one cares about how my feed looks. People care that I teach them something. That maybe oh my I... goodness, though. I think we have moved on from that. Thank God, the yeah. perfect feed. I don't know yeah. whether some people are still are still paralyzed by it. I mean, yeah. has there ever been a bigger load of nonsense? I mean, it's just, I mean... And I mean, I, there, don't get me wrong. I love a beautiful feed by like a lifestyle blogger or a photographer. But if I you're like not one of those... Like, 
a second. It yeah. like gives me like that long of, amount of pleasure. I'm, you know, and the people I recently took a couple, a month or so off posting Instagram, and um, I noticed again what I like to consume, and it's just people. It's just the people that I've been following for years in some cases and well, like what they're up to. There's in their an lives. there's an important lesson in that is you don't necessarily need to feel obligated to create the content that you enjoy consuming. So like I love YouTube videos about like great office setups and desk setups and productivity and I love stuff like that with beautiful aesthetic and nice rolling camera shots. But like I don't know how to make a shot like that. And eventually I thought, but but people don't want that from me. They can get that from someone else. What they want from me is advice. Actually, what I what I described to you already is tangible advice. You know, some 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 rooted, you know, or some 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 steps, tangible steps rooted in what I've learned doing this for a lot of people over the years. That's what they want. They want a list of tools. They want five steps to build your brand. They want, you know, three sources of inspiration on you know, pairing fonts, like all different kinds of stuff like that, that comes second nature to me. So I create the content that is, that that's different from what I enjoy consuming and that's okay. And that's okay. That actually leads me into YouTube, which is d- definitely my number one platform. Uh, I'm a, I like you. I mean, I can sometimes go a few weeks. Well, you intentionally took a month off. I don't actually do it intentionally, but sometimes I'll go a week or two without posting on Instagram because I prioritize YouTube and I will not skip a posting date on YouTube. For me, it's like a job. I partner with brands now more often that didn't exist two years ago, but now I work with all kinds of brands um, to create educational content that promotes their platform and such. So it's become a job. So I don't think of YouTube as a social media platform. For me, it's actually, it's work that I get paid for. So that's number one. Number two is Instagram. So YouTube, Instagram, and Pinterest, I'd put as number three. It's not Facebook. I don't enjoy Facebook, so I don't create on it. Um, can you give me some of your your famous takeaway tips around YouTube? Because actually, I've very rarely spoken to anyone who's regularly YouTubing on the show. Is it still something that is worth getting into now in 2022? And if so, what do you do? So, okay, well, financially, um, this year I'll hit six figures in brand deals. Just, I'll just hit it. It's been my goal and I'll just skim, skim right there. Six figures, but still pretty impressive considering it wasn't a vertical that even existed two years ago for me. That was right, right pre-pandemic. I thought I should dust off this old YouTube channel. So number one piece of advice is decide on a posting schedule and stick with it. Do not let yourself miss even one week from posting because YouTube rewards consistency. More so than being rewarded, you need to post consistently to learn how to improve as a creator. So, you know, we want that first YouTube video to be absolutely perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect. You can film it on your phone. I don't even think you need a fancy microphone, at least for your first one. I hope your first video is total crap because it means that the next one can be better. The next one can be better. And then you can start to finesse, build your, all while building your confidence and your, your, your methodologies, your framework. I love YouTube because you know, to do a video that I know is going to perform well, for example, Instagram updates. There's different updates every month. People love this topic. I talk about it every month, even though 
it's like not the most exciting thing in the world, but people, I know the video is going to do well. It forces me to research and then I can go and share those updates on Instagram or I can talk about it in an email blast. I can talk about it on stage earlier today. By the way, did you know this feature is coming to Instagram? Like YouTube is almost like my accountability partner in furthering my education. You know, it's forcing me to keep innovating and keep learning so that I can keep sharing what I learn. So my advice with YouTube would be, you know, like class, don't miss or you'll you'll fail. And think of it like class. Think of think of it as something that's that's there's got to be more in it for you than for them. Your audience matters and building subscribers matters and views and all of that. And that's great. But like, what do you get from it? Does it force you every week to spend some time in your schedule learning? How is that learning going to help you in other areas of your work or your job? That, you know, posting videos on YouTube, is it going to make you a more confident communicator? Probably. Probably. Someone gave me a compliment earlier today. I did a workshop on a, on a school campus and they said, I just loved your presentation. And I thought to myself, well, that is a nice compliment. But the reason they love my presentation is because I practice every single week when I hit record on a YouTube video and it makes me a better communicator. That's cool. With every social media platform, there needs to be something that's even more in it for you than for them, your audience. I like that a lot. That's the reverse of what an awful lot of advice is around social media posting. I just don't think it's sustainable to focus on everyone else so much. It's like, yes, your audience matters, but like, but also you matter and, and what brings you joy. But I like, I like thinking about the benefits being beyond monetary for example about it you yes. know about it being like about you know i will get better at this i will have more knowledge thank you for that um how many social media platforms do you think it is realistic for one person to maintain maximum three realistically i think someone could do three fairly well someone could do one super well and I, I actually talk a lot about this um, when presenting because it, 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 it paralyzes people, right? We feel the pressure because our friend or someone we know or someone we heard of is having viral success on TikTok, but we better hop over there quickly. Not to say you can't go grab your username, but I don't think that you need to be overly active on 10 different platforms because you probably have a job and a business to run. And if you're not, if you're trying to do this on your own, you need to figure out like, where do you enjoy creating? You can delegate some of this. I mean, for example, Pinterest doesn't need to be done by me. It could be done by a VA using templates that I've created that are on brand or templates that my graphic designer has created. And maybe I check my analytics once a month to see, oh, this pin is doing well. Let's do more of this style. Let's experiment with this. Let's experiment with, you know, right? Honestly, though, to answer your question, I think three. I think three is probably the max. I probably break that rule. Uh, I probably do four because I also have a podcast and I have email and I kind of clump that in with, with all the platforms I'm active on. But I think you can do three well. You're not doing TikTok? So if you can believe it, I like it, just not for me. So my business partner, Lauren, loves TikTok, loves consuming on TikTok, loves that there's just not this like production requirement, you know, um, for things to be like, well edited and well shot and fancy, etc. And 
I don't like it. I study broadcast journalism and I like for things to be polished and clean. And I struggle on TikTok because it's very anti that. Um, TikTok's not the app that I open to consume content. I open Instagram and I open YouTube. And so it's not, it's not shocking that those are actually the platforms I enjoy creating on because of the ones I enjoy consuming. Um, so I'm not super into TikTok. Uh, however, I am, I, I love what they've done and I love that they've shaken up the social media space and I love that they've challenged the, um, I don't know, the, 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 the artificiality of Instagram. And I love a lot of things about it. It's just not, um, it's not my favorite platform to consume content. Yeah, I kind of agree. Although I have occasionally got stuck in a bit of a TikTok death spiral. I don't know what you call it when when you get caught in the net. Yeah, yeah, Uh, So, you know, it is frighteningly effective in that way. Um, My my background is also in broadcast journalism. It's funny how many journalists there are in the content creating space. Or maybe it's not funny at all. Maybe it's completely natural. You have a thirst for, I guess, knowledge and sharing knowledge and also... And for simplifying things, being able to communicate ideas with people in a way that they can understand, you know, all the principles are the same, aren't they? Phil, what do you think is the future for this business of branding yourself, of personal branding? I mean, you've, I think it's, it's an industry that's still in its infancy, wouldn't you say, if it's only, you know, I think a lot of people are only now understanding or, or feeling perhaps that they need to have a brand that they put out there even if they are in a workforce situation you know they're not trying to build a a business is it going to be something everybody has to do all the you've been talking to students today do all students need to think about their their online presence and what it looks like and what brand they are building at a young age yeah i think everyone has to think about it i think personal branding maybe a decade ago was more of a luxury it was this idea that like, ooh, you know, I have the luxury of building a website that houses my portfolio or my list of services. And and now online has become so synonymous or so complementary with our in-person experience. The pandemic's really, you know, proof of that, that, wow, we had a whole workforce that we thought had to be in a physical location to get work done. And all of a sudden, forced innovation is showing us, actually, that was kind of in our heads. People are just as efficient, if not more efficient, from home when they don't waste so much time commuting and having meaningless water cooler conversations. It can actually get more work done and better work done, right? Not always the case, but very, very much a shakeup. Um, I think now, you know, since we do juggle two versions of ourselves, right? This in-person experience and then the online version. I'm not sure that anyone is really exempt from personal branding nowadays. Your job could be selling insurance and you still need to have some or, or, or rather take some responsibility for what shows up when people Google your name. Um, I don't think anyone's exempt from it nowadays and I don't see that changing anytime soon because so much of what we were used to doing in real life is now being done digitally, which I guess is a good thing. It's going to keep me employed. <laughs> Whose brands do you love? If people were to go and check out some guys and gals and whoever they may not have, may not know about, may not have seen before, who's, who do you think has got a great 
personal brand running online at the moment? Mm, great personal brand. Uh, one person, one content creator that I love is named Nedra Twab, and she's pretty big on Instagram, but her, her brand is all about boundaries. And I think she does a really beautiful job of st staying on brand and having that thesis that runs through her brand, but then also sharing new ideas and new information. Another one that I like is, um, uh, uh, a guy named Jeff Sheldon, whose brand is called Ugmonk, U-G-M-O-N-K, Ugmonk. And that is, he's a, he's a small, essentially a designer turned retailer. He's a product creator and has created some really innovative, interesting, like desk and productivity products. And he sell, sells uh, like pens and cool accessories and clothing and just and clocks and just like really interesting stuff you might find almost in like a cool curated um, like home store, but it's all online. And he does an amazing job of bringing his audience along for the journey and how he decides what products he's going to launch next. You always know the style, the branding, the colors, the font. You just, you know when something is done by him. And I love that consistency. I geek out over that and hope that my brand is, is, is similar for people. Um, those are two that come to mind right away, two totally different creators. One is a, you know, a speaker and an author and a, and a content creator. And the other one is more e-commerce based. So that should, those are two really inspiring brands. Yeah. And I, and I also like, I get a lot of inspiration from clothing brands, from car brands. I love, uh, kind of millennial like cosmetic brands or even um, there's a brand actually that's um, like a, a, a sexual wellness brand called Maude, M-A-U-D-E. It is so cool. No genders. Uh, they don't gender any of their products and they have Without going into detail, they have accessories. They have all the kinds of, you know, sexual wellness products that you might expect, but it's branded beautifully. And through branding, they really create an amazing story with strong visuals and cultural lessons and just really interesting things. I love when industries like that are turned upside down. Oh man, nobody's listening anymore. Everybody's gone off to Google that brand totally. and look up what they're doing. Um, finally, finally, I was watching your Instagram stories earlier, Phil. You're really good at Instagram stories. Actually, go and check them out, everybody. Thank you. I have a lot of fun on my stories. I'm glad yeah. you noticed. It comes through. You were talking today about your new role as an international fashion influencer. You had been gifted a shirt by Gant and you kind of used it as a jumping off point to talk about... I guess who is an influencer? Is it okay to say yes to an offer of a free item? When's it okay to say yes? And I love the way you did what actually you described there. You brought your follower into the decision, I guess, and you so you, you took them through the thought process. Can you tell the story a little bit better than I'm doing? That's funny. You pay, you saw that one. I think I have it saved as a highlight, but it's actually that's from a few years ago, and that was when I started to do brand deals. And now nowadays, I'm more focused on like software and marketing companies and stuff. But but occasionally, I get brands that reach out that just want to like send me clothes. And I thought I'm not going to just start acting like this is normal. 
uh, because my audience would be like, who does this guy think he is? And I'm aware of that. I'm self-aware. So it's like, but how can I have some fun with it and turn it into a bit of a joke? It's kind of like, guys, all of a sudden I'm a fashion influencer. Like I'm clearly not, but it's almost like, what would I say if I was in a, in a room at a party with a bunch of friends and all of a sudden I turned up in this outfit and people were like, you never wear that. That was a little bit of like the fun I was having with it. But in turn, by me being myself, I actually sold and got affiliate uh, sales from that deal because I was true to myself. So being true to myself would, would, would not be like walking in and going, Hey, you know, here's this outfit. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, Oh, you know, just like normal Tuesday. No, no. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, Hey, look at me. I look a lot better today than yesterday. Cause yesterday I looked like a slob, but today I'm wearing clothes that a brand sent me. Cause I can't be responsible for picking them out myself. Like that's more my, my personality. I, and I think, um, Instagram and other social media platforms are a fun place to, to, to interject that. And again, it always comes back to this idea of like, how would you interact in real life? What would you say in real life? How would you make a, make a laugh out of it in real life? Do that online and, 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 and figure out how you can just be comfortable being yourself. It's such a, it's such a cool takeaway to end on because quite often people will talk to me about how can I change tack? Can I start posting about this? Will it be okay if I do X, Y, and Z? And the answer is always just explain what you're doing. Like tell people, this is why I'm now talking about this. This is why I'm now selling this product. This is why I'm going here. If you explain to them, as you would do if you were chatting in a coffee shop, they'll be like, oh, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. I use the coffee shop analogy all the time. And that I think is one of the best ones, right? Because we don't overthink it. If you and I are sitting together at a coffee shop, we're going to, we're going to start chatting. I'll apologize profusely for being late. You'll go, don't worry. You know, we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll just fall into conversation. I'm not actively going, what am I going to say next? I'm not planning what I'm going to say next. And so if you can arrive at this same kind of, um, comfort on social media, it won't happen right away because you've got technology in the way between you and me. And you got to learn the tech and be comfortable on the tech and learn how to adapt it for your own needs. But once you do that, then it becomes really a pretty exciting tool to recreate the in-person experience. At the end of the day, that's all this is. Thank you so much. I think that was a perfect chat to end the season. I've been inspired by Mr. Phil Pallon and his big Canadian energy to raise my game. Before I go, I'd like to ask you to do something that will make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Go and leave the Just Bloody Post-It podcast a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the right people to find us and means a great deal in terms of reaching new listeners. Here's what to do. If you're listening on your phone, click to go to the show homepage, then scroll down to ratings and reviews, click see all, then click write a review. They don't make it super easy. So we really do appreciate anyone who takes the time. Thanks guys. I'll see you in a few weeks time. Love to every guest, every listener. And thanks always to Suze, the producer at Story Publishing for being the backbone of the show. I'll see you soon. Goodbye.